Hello and welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. So what do you think about angels, demons, and the supernatural? Today we're continuing our 30-minute theology series where Pastor Quint Lindblad is joining Pastor Nicole as they talk about five big questions we have for God. Today's conversation is all about what happens in the supernatural realm and how those things directly affect our day-to-day lives. It's a fascinating conversation, so let's get right to it. Here's Pastor Nicole. Well, hey, we're here today at our fourth week of our 30-minute theology series um, discussing five big questions that we ask about God. And we're mm-hmm. so glad you're tuning in today. Um, we're so glad that you are here with us virtually. So um, let me pray and we'll jump right in. So pray with us. Uh, Father God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you, Lord, that uh, there's nothing that is outside of the realm of your capacity, of the realm of your control, of the realm of your goodness. And so we just come to you this morning um, with the world panicking around us. Mm. And God, we can stand and rest in the steadiness of who you are. And so, Father, we ask that you would fill us uh, with your Holy Spirit. Uh, We pray that, God, you would show us your presence, Lord, that even though we're not all in the room together, Lord, that uh, your presence can visit us and be close to us. And so, God, we pray that you would help us sense it in a very real and powerful way. Mm -hmm. Um, Help us be the church today in spite of our our limiting circumstances. We love you and we give you praise. Amen. Amen. Well, this is such an interesting topic for us to be looking at today, I think especially in light of all of the circumstances surrounding our world and the uncertain situation that we've all kind of found ourselves in. I think it is so important that we grow in our understanding of both the seen realm and the unseen realm, because there are obviously things we can see with our physical eyes, but there are things happening that we don't see with our physical eyes. We call that the unseen realm. And actually Colossians 1.16 says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rules or authority, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So there are forces at work that we cannot see But that doesn't mean they're not real. They are very, very real. And if that sounds like hocus pocus or a little bit kind of out there, stay with us today. We're going to look at what the Bible has to say about this subject. Um, But as we learned in week one of this series, the Bible is our true and tested source, our authority on all things. And so we can find answers in the word on this subject and how it applies in our daily life on a normal Sunday, and then how it applies even in this situation that we found ourselves in. So like we said week one, answers are reserved for the seekers. If we're willing to seek, we will find the answers. So here's what we know about angels, uh, just kind of to set up the conversation today, just from looking in the word. You can find uh, throughout the Bible many references to it, but point number one would be this. Angels were created by God, and they have not existed for all time. And you can read throughout the Psalms, you can read in Ezekiel, you can read many places where it mentions that God uh, created angels along the way, just like he created us. Okay, human beings have not existed for all time. Point number two would be that angels are spiritual beings without physical bodies, uh, but they do sometimes take on a bodily form and appear, just like they did in Matthew 28 in the tomb after Jesus' resurrection. An angel was waiting in the tomb 
to uh, say, he is not here, he is risen. And that angel had taken on a bodily form. Uh, But the first few chapters of Luke document some events that led to Jesus Christ's birth. And I'd like to look at that to kind of really shape this conversation. In chapter one, we read the account of an angel appearing to Zechariah. And he was uh, appearing to Zechariah, who was John the Baptist's father, okay? And he was uh, proclaiming that John the Baptist would indeed be born. And you can read that uh, entire account in Luke chapter 1. But that uh, angel, his name was Gabriel. He also appeared to Mary, Jesus' mother. An angel also appeared to Joseph. We believe it to be Gabriel, but we don't know that for sure. Um, And as you continue to read the story of Christ's arrival here on earth uh, to the shepherds in Luke 2, and as he proclaimed uh, good news, a host of angels joined him. Um, This is what we know. Angels are God's messengers, okay? We know that to be true just from these these various accounts on how when Christ was making his entrance, God used angels to proclaim he is here, the Messiah is here. The Greek word for angel is agalos, and it means messenger of God. Now, that being said, we can also read in Daniel for the account of Michael, the archangel, and uh, Daniel in, in Daniel chapter 10, we read that Michael was uh, one of the chief princes. So in some uh, form, some way, shape, or form, he served actually as a, in a leadership role over many angels. Okay, we know that. We also read in Revelation chapter 12 of a great battle that Michael led, uh, again, in that unseen realm like we're talking about. So I think that the takeaway and the application for us in this conversation is to start with the foundation that uh, we need to recognize that angels play a role in this life. I mean, I'm not citing to you just from one circumstance, but we went all the way back to Daniel and we go ahead to Revelation. And so angels are a constant theme and they exist in the unseen realm and they are always at work. Now, this is probably not a subject or a conversation that comes up often, um, but I think what we can see here is that it is a valid conversation that we do need to grow in and understand. Um, So angels are both messengers and warriors. They are the protector of God's people, okay? Um, After Jesus had been tempted in the wilderness, God sent angels to minister to him. You might remember that story um, after the the prince of this world had tempted Jesus. Uh, He went away to the wilderness, and the Bible says he was ministered to by angels. When Daniel was facing exile and persecution in Babylon, God used angels to encourage him. The author of Hebrews tells us in chapter 1, verse 14, that are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Mm. So we see that angels are both messengers and protectors and ministers to God's people. Um, But the work of angels is honestly probably more prevalent in our daily lives than we even realize, okay? We will never know on this side of heaven just how many situations, encounters, circumstances we were in that angels protected us, guided us away from, directed our steps. I mean, frankly, we don't know, even in the middle of this coronavirus situation that we find ourselves in, we don't know and we won't know until we're on the other side uh, in heaven just how many angels intersected our lives and protected us from various things, okay? Um, We also don't know uh, how many times we've faced anxiety, depression, 
overwhelming emotions, hard circumstances and feelings, and it was angels that God used to do the work and minister to us, just like he did to Jesus Christ and many other people throughout the Bible. Doesn't it say in Hebrews, one of my favorite verses about angels, Quint, is when it says, um, some of us have entertained them yes, without even knowing it. Yep. And I He's think under, that yep. is such a such an amazing privilege and something we have to keep in mind that the scripture says that that's true. Absolutely. Absolutely. So here's something that we do know. We know on this side of heaven, and it'll just be magnified to us when we get to the other side. We know that all day, every day, for all of time, there are angels singing praise to God the Most High who sits on mm. the throne, okay? Yes. And one way that we can join in the work with angels is to worship, yeah, okay? So and so we read over in Revelation 4 of just this endless alleluia that is being mm -hmm. lifted up, these angels that are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And so if, when you're around here and you hear us say things and use hashtags like worship is warfare, uh, worship is how we ascribe worth to the only one who is worthy, that is what we're talking about and that is where we get that because mm. it is this endless hallelujah that we are seeking to join in with whenever we worship, whether we're in our car, in our living room, in this church, in any church, uh, our goal in worship is to just join this chorus of angels that are praising the Most High God. Yeah, that's so good. So when we're talking about the supernatural, which is what today's question is kind of surrounding, um, angels are obviously a big part of the supernatural. Sure. I love what you said. They're messengers, they're warriors. Um, and I want to look at the opposite being. So if we believe there are angels, mm -hmm. um, then we also have to take into consideration that there are the opposite of angels, which is demons. Um, so in definition, demons are beings who sinned against God and are now continually working evil in the world. Mm. Um, what I find fascinating is demons didn't start out as evil. Uh, the scripture right. says they were actually part of the original creation. They were included in Genesis 1 when God said over all creation, this was all very good. Um, demons and even Satan himself are still created beings. They, they didn't come from some other source or some other right. place. Um, but this is what happened. God created, he said, this is all very good. And then something went wrong. Something went wrong. And the Bible says that these beings rebelled and sinned against God and that they were cast into hell. I want to give you a quick glimpse into the scripture. Um, it doesn't say a lot about the story, but it does give us little windows. Second Peter 2, 4 it says, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. So it talks about that demons were angels that sinned and then had the consequence. Uh, in Jude 1.6, it says, and the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. Mm -hmm. And so Satan uh, originates as a created angel who, with other angels, rebelled against God. They rejected him as their all-satisfying king. They set out on this course of self-exaltation, saying that they didn't want authority, they didn't want covering, they didn't want to be subordinate, they didn't want to be sent by God to serve others like the angels are. They wanted to do their own thing and exalt themselves above God. And so that is why they became what they became. Now, the reason why I want to even talk about demons today, the reason why I even want to bring up Satan's name is this, 
in order to overcome our enemy, we have to know a little bit about him. Yeah. In order to overcome, we have to know a little bit about him. So this is not to give Satan any credit, not to give him any attention. In fact, this entire conversation about the enemy today is so we as believers can come against and destroy his evil ways in the power of Jesus' name. That is the point of even bringing this up today. So just want to clarify our motive. Um, We know, we believe the one that is good and all-powerful, and we believe we are on the good side of the fence, not the evil side of the fence, but it's important to know the enemy. It's important to know what you're dealing with so that you can defeat him. So um, Satan himself is the head of the demons. He's mentioned in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. In fact, in Matthew 4, Jesus speaks directly to Satan. We actually see like an exchange between the two of them, and um, he's being tempted in the wilderness, and then at one point, Jesus looks at him and says, be gone, and the enemy has to flee and has to go because Jesus is holds all the authorities, the most powerful. Now, there are a few different names in the Bible that are used for Satan. And so if you're reading through, these are just some, some triggers for you to, to know. Uh, Matthew 4.1 calls him the devil. Genesis 3.1 calls the, him the serpent. So we know that that's what uh, they're referring to. Matthew 10.25 references him as Beelzebul, which is just another name. Ephesians calls him the prince of the power of the air. These are all references to the head demon. So when you're reading in the scripture, you can understand that this all refers to the same evil being. It's just Mm. different names for the same person. So here's what we know about the enemy. Here's what we know about Satan. 1 John 3, 8 tells us he has been sinning from the beginning. He he is the originator of sin. He is the father of lies. And so the whole mission of the enemy and his beings is to convince us that those lies are true. He is the king of deception. Everything he says is false. Everything he says is wrong. Uh, And once we can get an understanding of that, we can defeat him better because we can stop believing the things he's telling us. It's always wrong. There is never any truth. Um, and Satan and the demons, they use this tactic, any tactic they can, to blind people from seeing the light of the gospel. So they use destructive acts like temptation, doubt, lies, guilt, fear, confusion, sickness even, mm-hmm. envy, pride, uh, anything they can do to hinder the Christian's witness and usefulness. Um, demons promote selfishness. They promote division in the church. They always promote the antithesis of what Christ wants and what Christ deserves. And so once we begin to know what Christ wants and deserves, we can identify the antithesis of that is not him. That's from the prince of the power of the air. That's from the opposite of him. So a few things just to remember as we're talking about the supernatural, as we're dealing with the supernatural, a few things to remember about demons. Um, all demons and Satan himself, I'm going to write here on the board for you if you're taking notes, are limited in power. They're limited in power. I think one of the lies that the enemy and demons want us to, to believe is that they are, have more power than they do. Right, um, right. If they can believe if you, if you can begin to believe that the enemy can do more things than he can do, that he's not just kind of calling your bluff, uh, you can have fear and panic and, and crouch down from him. But here's, here's the thing. In Jude, the, the scripture I read, it says that demons and the enemy are kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness. 
God himself has control over what they can and cannot do. Mm -hmm. Satan is a limited creature. He is not equal to God. Uh, Sometimes we get this, um, you know, the old cartoons where you see the the angel and the demon on either shoulder. That actually is inaccurate. Satan is not equal to God. He is not omniscient. He is not omnipotent. He is not infinite in any way. In fact, in just a few minutes, we're going to talk about how he has an end, that Mm -hmm. there's a plan for that end. Um, And so Satan himself is limited in power. And um, once we begin to believe that and understand that, we can deal with the supernatural in a whole different way. Right. Um, second, uh, Satan himself and demons um, can be resisted through the authority of Jesus. They can be resisted, resisted through Jesus. So we see um, in James 4, 7, this really important verse, I would actually encourage you to memorize it. Maybe you have a little extra time on your hands because you're not right. uh, doing all those activities and errands. Memorize this scripture. It says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Yeah. The enemy wants us to think he's stronger than he really is. He wants to intimidate us. He wants to discourage us. But we have the authority in Jesus Christ to defeat him and to live in victory. And if you were in the room tonight, right. you'd be clapping and cheering Amen. right now. So yeah. we're just going to pretend that you are yeah. because this is what we believe and this is the promise and the hope that we have. Um, the last thing we need to remember is Satan and his demons cannot know the future. Okay, we talked about this a little bit. Uh, the enemy is not God. He cannot know the future, okay? So one of the things that we have to remember as we're dealing with things in the supernatural is only God knows the end from the beginning. And although the enemy can observe us on a daily basis, demons cannot know our thoughts and cannot know our future. And so those are just really important things to remember when we're dealing with the supernatural, when we're dealing with, with that this is actually true. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as Pastor Nicole just said, ultimately God holds all control, okay? Where it is complicated or where it is maybe I would say tricky is that Satan is currently the ruler of this world, okay? And so that is essential to remember in times like this when we're in all this uncertainty and there are, are just so many questions and what's the right thing to do and, and as we deal with this uh, crisis that we're in. But ultimately, God, God's big plan, as Pastor Nicole alluded to earlier, for this earth was when he got done with it and said, it is very good, right? And the brokenness and the pain and the trials that we live through are a result of uh, our fall and our sin nature and Satan being the ruler of this world for this time, okay? Um, Now, that does have an end, as Pastor Nicole just said, and that end is coming, and we're going to look at that. Um, But ultimately, Christ will return a second and final time and unite us with our Father in heaven and restore this earth, and things will be how they were meant to be at the beginning. Now, I know that was a lot. So let's look at some places in the scripture that kind of help us unpack this. John 12, 20 through 36 is a section of scripture where Jesus predicts what will happen, his death, burial, and resurrection. We're Mm going to celebrate that here in a few weeks. Easter, uh, we're so excited about that. And that is what makes everything Jesus said worth following, his death, burial, and resurrection. He is the true living son of God. And so uh, John 12, 20 through 36, in verses 30 and 31, Jesus says this, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. So he is speaking here of what must transpire and then ultimately speaking of Satan's end. Mm. Uh, 
Mark 1.27 tells us, he commands even the unclean, unclean spirits and they obey him. And this is obviously speaking of Jesus Christ, as Pastor Nicole just said. When Christ commands, the devil obeys, yeah. right? And right. so when, when Christ commands, the devil obeys. But what about us, right? That's the question. Pastor Nicole has been alluding to this uh, as well. We have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. And so we can... Uh, as the book of James says, resist the devil and he will flee from us. Uh, in Ephesians, Paul tells us, and this is what I want to look at, Paul tells us of a spiritual armor that we can put on. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay, and then he goes on in Ephesians 6 to explain uh, what this armor is. But before we dig into that, I want to challenge you to realize this is not some literary allegory, some beautiful poetic analogy that Paul thought up while he was in prison somewhere or while he was writing this letter. Armor is for war, mm -hmm. okay? Armor is for war. We might repurpose it as decoration at a restaurant or something like that, but ultimately, armor is for war. And so yeah. Ephesians 6 tells us this, therefore put on the full armor of God yeah. so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. So the purpose of this armor is that we will be able to stand trying times, uncertain situations, legitimate persecution. This is for real war. Let's look at verse 14. Ephesians 6.14 says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth mm. buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. As we said in week one of this series, everything begins with the truth. Yeah, okay? This word is our truth and everything builds on that. Um, when we are standing on God's word, we are sure-footed, we are building on a firm foundation, and that is what this belt of truth speaks of, yeah. and ultimately, that is what will give us that breastplate of righteousness. When you know the truth, you can walk in, live in, and do the truth, and you will live righteously, okay? Mm. Truth is how we know what is righteous. All right, verse 15. We're just going to fire through these verse by verse. Verse 15 says, And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, when we have built on truth and when we are living righteously, we will be ready. Ready for what? Ready for whatever God needs from us. A friend of mine, one of our small group leaders, was in here this week, and he said something. Uh, shout out to Ken Gaston, because he said a quote that I'll keep with me the rest of my life. He said, when you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Good, right? good, good. So that is what we are talking about here. When we have built on truth and we're living righteously, our feet will be ready for whatever God needs of us. Verse 16 says, in, addi in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, mm with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Here we are remembering that we are at war. Yeah. Okay? Again, we are at war. And we need a shield. And we need protection. And we Good. receive and live out all of these things by faith. That shield of faith. That shield of faith is what we need to combat the enemy well. And then lastly, verse 17 says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, our mind is protected by the knowledge of our salvation, and our main weapon is this book right here. As you are sitting at home, as you have found yourself maybe with more time on your hands than you typically would, 
put this word yeah. inside of you. Build yeah. yourself on this word. Build on that truth and protect your heart, your soul, and your mind. We start with the truth of the word and we end with the truth of the word, okay? The Bible is where we remind ourselves of all of the truths that get us through these trying times, these hard times, persecuting times, direct temptations that come against us and try to take us out in this life. So I wanna challenge you to take some time this week, pray through these pieces of spiritual armor, take them seriously, so yep. and ask for greater awareness and understanding of all of this. And I believe you will find great encouragement for your daily life in this situation, and then when we come out on the other side of it, just in your everyday, ordinary life. Yeah, so good. I love how uh, Jesus gives us the tools. You know, he Absolutely. knew we would need it, and he gives us the tools. We yep. just have to put them on. Mm -hmm. um, so when Jesus died on the cross for our sin, that was the moment that Satan was disarmed and defeated completely. Yeah. That was the best day of our lives and the worst day for him. Absolutely. Because we can see, actually in Colossians 2, I want to take us there, 13 through 15, it describes what's happening here. It says, when you were dead in your sin and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, canceling the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, and he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And verse 15 says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So that last good. verse, that's not talking about the natural. It's not talking about human right. powers or authorities. This is the supernatural. Mm. This is a moment into the supernatural that Jesus is triumphing over the enemy and all of the evil by his work on the cross. And if, we, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead totally gives us victory and triumph in the supernatural. Yeah, I love in, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, where, O death, is your victory? Mm. Where, O death, is your sting? It's that same, same yeah, thing. Yeah, all so the power good. sucked out of it. Yeah. So um, we do know there will be an end to Satan's havoc on earth. We know mm. that. Uh, we see it in Revelation 20, verse 10. I'm gonna read it to you. It says, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Mm, yep. So this lake of fire, it can also be referred to as the second death, but its actual literal translation is a burning lake. So that's what it's a, that's the translation. Yeah. And it is the final judgment of the wicked. Those in the lake of fire will suffer eternally, consciously, and bodily, and it will be an awful place. And in Revelation, it describes the moment when God says, enough is enough. Yeah. I have had authority and power all this time, but right now enough is enough. And he cast Satan and all that worked with him and for him into this lake of fire. Case closed, game over, victory won, Amen. that's all. Yep. And, and I think the reason why it's a lake of fire is because fire denotes God's uh, um, searing holiness, his, his retribution for evil deeds. God is communicating here that evil beings in the world will pay for their actions. Mm -hmm. They will pay. It may feel like evil is winning at times while we're here on earth. Uh, you know, in, in times in our world, you know, you can look and think, can this get any worse? Are right, people any, right. is my, my faith in humanity is so broken? But what this scripture tells us is that it is not a true reality that evil is winning. In the end, evil will be held accountable and will suffer the unquenchable fire that portrays hell as everlasting. That will happen. The scripture says it, and I believe it. And, and what's going to happen someday is that all the evil beings in the world, all the havoc that they've created, will pay for it. Yeah. They'll pay for it in, in this burning lake. So if we know this about 
Satan, if we know this is his impending doom, and we understand that spiritual warfare is a real thing, then I think we have to really think about how does that affect our Christian lives today? Like, what does that mean for me right now? And I have a couple thoughts on that. The first is uh, the supernatural reminds us of our need for holiness. Our supernatural reminds us of our need for holiness. The bad guys, the demons, they operate in the kingdom of darkness. They operate in the kingdom of sin. And sin grows in the dark. So when we leave unconfessed sin in our lives, when we leave that garbage in our lives, we, we like give the devil a place to live. Mm. You know, When we don't allow that light to be, uh, to be exposed and for us to be confessed and, and in community, we give the devil a place to live. Uh, this week, um, I had ants in my office. Okay, It's kind of a weird time of year to have ants, but yeah. I have ants come around my office, ants everywhere. And Roger, our incredible maintenance extraordinaire, came in. And he said to me, uh, well, do you have any food sources in here? And I looked around. I had a, a, a thing of Twizzlers and, you know, something else. And he said, take away the food sources and the ants will leave too. <laughs> and I had this moment of like supernatural reality that when you take away the sin and the darkness in your life, the enemy has got to leave too. So, yeah, and yeah. so sometimes we use that phrase. It comes from Ephesians 4.27. Don't give the devil a foothold. This is exactly what we're talking about. When you keep your life holy, when you keep your life exposed, when you keep your life uh, sanctified, we're less susceptible to temptation, confusion, and deception. When we grow in holiness, we put sin down, we walk in victory, and that gives us no place for the enemy to come in yeah. and be part. So good. All right, second. The second thing um, understanding the supernatural means for us in our daily lives is this. The supernatural reminds us of our need for fellowship. Now, you might be thinking that's an interesting point, Pastor Nicole, because none of us can be together. Um, But fellowship doesn't always mean us sitting in the same room together. We are working, you know, every day we're trying to get more creative on how we can get connected to each other. Thank the Lord for digital and phone calls and all those things. But here's the deal. One of the best protections we have from Satan and from demons is encouragement, wisdom, and friendship from our brothers and sisters in our faith community. Hebrews uh, 3, 12 through 13 says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Here's the deal. We're in this fight. We're in this battle together. And we need to help each other. So I want you to ask yourself today, are you regularly encouraging other Christians? Hmm. Are you regularly speaking hope into other people's lives? We need to practice that in our daily lives. I want to challenge you this week, especially right now, especially in the middle of this panic and this unknown. Reach out to somebody in your life, someone a neighbor, a friend, a family member, and just send a quick message of hope. Just send a quick message of love. Let's cheer each other on to the finish line. Let's fight this good fight together. And the supernatural is cheering for us. Like yeah. Quint talked about the angels and, the, and, and that part of the supernatural we can, we can employ uh, to really encourage each other. Yeah, and even in light of the, the spiritual armor that we talked about, uh, go before for somebody. Maybe if yeah. you feel like you have spent a little more time in Ephesians 6 or you just... Forget compared to anybody else. You just know you have spent time in Ephesians 6, and so you want to encourage somebody with what that's done for you and that putting on that spiritual armor. Like, uh, tell someone someone about that. Share that with someone. 
and, uh, and just fill in that gap for them. So good. So uh, the last thing is the supernatural reminds us of our need for the word of God and for prayer. And uh, you might have said this already, but I'm going to say it again <laughs> because it's so important. Yeah, for but sure. the enemy can wreak havoc with ignorant and unequipped yeah. Christians. Like yeah. if we don't know what we don't know, it puts us in a bad spot. And so yeah. do you read? Do you study? Do you memorize? Do you meditate on the word of God? The word of God is a weapon of warfare for us. Yeah. Um, don't forget, when the enemy and Jesus went head to head in the wilderness in Matthew 4, Jesus used the word of God yeah. to combat, resist, and flee from the devil. So Jesus himself is using it. That, that's such a good example for us. We can model that. We can get into the word. We can use it as warfare. Mm -hmm. So in the same way, prayer, integral in resisting Satan. We need to pray that God would enable our hearts to be alert against the battle. I love what you said about um, why it's like this is because we're in a war. I think when we forget that, yeah. the enemy's glad, you know, yeah. because we're not as ready. We're not as prepared um, for what we are, but we are in a battle and we need to be pray not to be led into temptation. Um, in just a few minutes, we're actually going to pray this prayer that Jesus taught us how to pray in Matthew 6. But he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Yeah. He teaches us how to pray, and that's how he says to pray. So prayer and the word of God are essentials in this supernatural fight. Don't leave home without them. Don't leave anywhere without yeah. them. That's yeah. so important. Sure. Um, and so that's what we really believe, that when we're talking about the supernatural, is it real? Yes. Is it something that we need to be afraid of? No, because we're on the winning team. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're on the winning team. We don't have to worry about it, but we do need to be prepared. And so um, actually what I'd love to do to end today's message is um, we're going to pray that prayer in Matthew 6. So if you're watching today, if you want to open up in your Bible um, to Matthew 6, and then Pastor Quint and I are actually going to lead this uh, together. We, we pray that you would pray along with us, um, pray along with your family maybe those that are gathered around with you. Uh, but it's a prayer you've probably heard before, but we want to pray it in a whole new way, uh, really focusing on the way that this affects uh, whether the supernatural is real or not. Mm -hmm. So yeah. let's pray, and um, Pastor Quint, pray along with me. Yeah. Our Father in heaven, heaven hallowed be your name. name. Your, your kingdom, kingdom come, come, your will be done, done on earth as it is in heaven. heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father God, we thank you so much that you show us how to pray. We are so thankful for the angels and the weapons of warfare that you have given us. And we pray that we could remember, Lord, you are victorious, that evil will not triumph, and that we believe that, we know that your word says it, and we stand upon the rock of who you are, especially in these tumultuous times in our nation. We love you. We thank you so much for who you are. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. Stay healthy and helpful. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts. You can find all our podcasts at eriefirst.org, including this one and the Quintessential Ministry Podcast with Pastor Quint Lindblad. Thanks for joining us. You can find all our latest news and information at eriefirst.org. See you next time.